Clubhouse. Welcome to the Pop Culture Review Podcast. This is Caroline. And this is Mike. Tonight we're looking back at the week that was for the week of February 19th to the 25th of 2023. Hey Caroline, how are you doing? Hey Mike, I'm doing pretty good. Have you been watching much TV this week? When I sit down to do these things, these outlines, and I put my week together, there's always more on there than feels like I actually did, if that makes sense. (laughs) See, and I feel like I'm like, what did I watch this week? Like all of a sudden I'm like this blank slate. I'm like, I feel like I've never seen TV before a day in my life. And it's like, no, come on. I, the TV's on every single day. So when we do sit down and do these outlines, I'm like, oh, yeah, and I watch that and that. Oh, yeah, and that. New York sports is uh, heating up here right now. Baseball spring training has begun in earnest, actually, this week. Teams are playing full, full-length full games against other teams. Now your starting pitchers only getting an inning or two. It's very tightly controlled on pitch count. Your starters are maybe only playing a few innings. And then tons of people from the minor leagues or new faces that you don't know who they are or that are fighting for a spot on the roster. They're playing in games. So it's a little bit like you're wearing colors of a team that I know, but I don't know who you are. Yeah. You can start to scratch that itch. It makes you think about spring and summer coming. I've been starting to watch my Metsies, you know, in spring training and the Knicks are playing excellent basketball. So I've been watching a lot of Knicks lately. Sports, I don't really include in these. Each of those games takes up two, three, four hours of time, you know. (laughs) So that does cut into the TV watching week for sure. Uh, I see. I know that you checked out Kunk on Earth, which sounds so crazy to me. It's a six episode series on Netflix. Very British. I understand. I have a little bit of a hard time with Diane Morgan's accent. It is very strong. What did you think of it? I thought it was hysterical. Uh, there is a threshold here. You you have named the two things that are a threshold to watching the show. One, you have to find dry British humor funny. If you don't, you will not like this show. You actually may hate this show. It is very dry. It is very sarcastic. Almost every line is delivered super sarcastically. There, There's an earnestness in it. This is like a faux documentary. So there is an earnestness in some of the outrageous things that Philomena Kunk says. But it's all very British. There are tons of digs at Americans and American culture in it. And the accents can be a lot if if you don't have a facility with or patience to listen to a British accent. If you can get past those two bars, I binged these six episodes in just one sitting because I couldn't get enough of it. I, I thought it was great. <laughs> I thought it was hysterical. I thought it was such a fun, fresh, silly look at humanity, you know, at, at, at 7,000 years of humanity. So is it more of a, like a travel show or more of like a history show or how would you describe it? It is a, a satire history show. They'll look at religion and poke fun at all of the tropes of like Christianity. And then she'll say, she'll turn to the camera at one point and she'll say, don't worry, we're doing Islam next. And then there will be like a five minute like blank screen for where the Islam section would have been inserted because oh the producers won't let, won't let her say it, you know, which is, you know, like a call back to like what South Park went through where they had like a fatwa put on their head for doing their 
uh, Muhammad episode. Uh, or, you know, they'll they'll talk about ancient Romans and focus on like Pompeii with all of the dildos and sex things that are were found there. Yeah, and stuff like that. Or, you know, dinosaur bones, you know, when did God place them in the ground? You know, stuff like that. It all very kind of funny satire of, of things. Uh, so... But she's she's talking to real scholars. That's where the rubber hits the road and the and the and the humor really kicks in. She's she's asking these real scholars on all these different subjects. Each each episode focuses on a span of human civilization going all the way back to the beginning up through the 21st century uh, and but she's talking to real scholars and they're all being serious and they're all playing along i would love to see the outtakes for this show because these people are keeping straight faces in the in in the published episodes but i can't imagine they weren't cracking up and or being super offended at how she is poking fun at what are these people's livelihoods <laughs> it, it's it's pretty funny it, it it yeah i really really enjoyed it it's definitely worth it's each episode's only i think like 30 minutes uh tops so it, it's a pretty quick binge so definitely go check that out over on netflix i know that uh picard season three premiered this week did you get a chance to catch any of that i did i did uh you know picard is my captain seeing Riker is mine uh, Riker was his number one. He became a captain later on, but no, Riker is mine though. <laughs> a, a, a big, a big broad-chested guy with a beard. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me your Caroline without telling me your Caroline. Boon! <laughs> I roasted you. I roasted you. He certainly did. Ow, ow, I'm all burned. I gotta go put some cream on. So here's the thing. So Picard, I was so excited. I love Patrick Stewart. He, he's just a legend. I was so excited when Picard uh, premiered three seasons ago now. I gotta tell you, as, as far as Star Trek shows go, it is my least favorite. It is, it really underwhelmed me the first two seasons. But I watch it out of a sense of obligation, out of a sense of loyalty, and out of a sense of the next generation remains my favorite of the Star Treks. Deep Space Nine has really become a very close second of the Star Trek shows, but the the, the crew of the Enterprise D, led by Captain Jean-Luc Picard, remains my, my favorite Star Trek crew and show. So I was always going to watch Picard, even if it was just watching paint dry, I was always going to watch it. In all honesty, very underwhelmed by the first two seasons. I was not super excited about season three because I didn't think I was going to like it because I really didn't like the first two seasons. But they have dangled the apple in front of us for what is supposed to be the final season of the show by bringing back all of the crew members from the original Next Generation show. Uh, that's a huge draw smart, for me smart. right and so in the premiere again is it my favorite of the of the star treks no but i was definitely leaning forward and much more engaged that's a that's a little picard in joke because he says engaged when he gives an order uh but i was i was much more engaged in this episode because i know you're getting Riker in this series jonathan franks who remains just a burly fun guy of all of the people in star trek he's probably the one that i want to want to have a beard the most with who mm. plays Riker. Hey, so he's there, Gates mm -hmm. McFadden, who we got to interview a couple of years. 
years ago for her podcast. Uh, she's back on the show. She's actually kind of the center focus of of the premiere episode. She's the one who sets things in motion. So and and the trailers and the coming attractions all show that all of the crew members are going to be back on board. So I'm excited. I'm excited for this swan song as Patrick Stewart, who is in his 80s now, you know, prepares to say farewell to Jean-Luc Picard and the Next Generation crew kind of gets one more bow on the screen. Well, it sounds like they they listened to the audience and made some adjustments and that's always appreciated, especially I know people like you are like a completionist. You're going to watch them all because you want to know every single thing that happens in every single episode of every series because otherwise you feel like you might be missing something, right? So well, they do a you, lot of world you gotta building. Watch for, it. Yes. Yeah. And and yeah. Star Trek Star Trek has one of the best universe keepers of the Bible from any franchise. Whoever is in charge in the different shows, and there are people for each show that is dedicated to continuity across the entire universe. Every Star Trek show has a continuity person. And it shows because they are very loyal and very consistent with their continuity against all of the Star Trek shows. Being a completionist rewards you because you get callbacks to things that happened in not only earlier seasons of that show, but to things that happened in other Star Trek shows that are completely unrelated. Fans of Lower Decks see this every single time. And it's an animated cartoon. They have callbacks to all of the series, every episode. It's 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 chuck full of Easter eggs and callbacks. All of the Star Trek shows, I think, really do reward you for being a completionist and a devourer of all <laughs> of what has come before. Let me talk to you about Eugene Levy, Caroline. Have you gotten to check out Eugene's new show on Apple TV Plus, The Reluctant Traveler, with Eugene? Gene Levy. I did get a chance to see the very first one. He was, I believe, in Norway, Lapland, a couple different places, and it was pretty cool. I mean, I liked it. I think he is a pretty dry guy, speaking of delivery. There was something about him traveling where he was so nervous about things. Like, he didn't really want to try anything, <laughs> not really. And that was, like, so cute. I mean, obviously, it's named The Reluctant Traveler, so you kind of got that idea. But he really lived up to that. Like, he was skittish about doing most everything. Did you get a chance to see it? I did. I got to watch the first one. I haven't had I'm definitely going to watch the series. I found him utterly watchable. He's so adorable. I've been a fan of Eugene Levy going all the way back to like SCTV uh, when it would sure. air in, in you know, like late night, maybe on yeah. Nick at Night also used to do SCTV reruns way back when. Um, and so, yeah, I, so I've always been a fan of Eugene Levy. Obviously, Schitt's Creek, which you and I covered in uh, the podcast in the final season. I love him. I, I love his delivery. It feels so familiar to me. I know he's Canadian, but he has got such a New York vibe about him. The dry sarcasm, the, the skeptical eye upon which he views the world, all of that. I love. I love. It feels familiar to me. And I think there's something relatable in a post-pandemic world. I think people are still getting used to traveling again and having to put on real clothes and go out into the world. <laughs> Interact with humans. Ah. Yeah. There's this whole aspect <laughs> of I'm scared. I don't want to leave my home anymore. So Reluctant Traveler, you know, I think we were all changed a little bit. From all of that, I was on board with the concept and then getting to see him actually be changed as he went. Then like the Norway episode, he's like ice fishing and there's like a little kid ice fishing also. Mm -hmm. And like you could tell in his over his voiceovers, he's getting annoyed because the kid is catching tons of fish and he's not catching anything. 
thing. And then he finally catches one and he like shoves it in the kid's face. Like, you know, he does like a whole thing. And I, it's perfect. It's just if you liked Eugene Levy in Schitt's Creek, if you like Eugene Levy at all, this is a show for you. This is pure comfort food. Yeah, I was going to say it's a really good show for for like if you're doing other things too, like uh-huh. if you're like folding clothes or if you're like, you know, whatever you're doing. It's the type of thing where you can have it on in the background and and like listen to him almost podcast style and like look up once in a while and be like oh my god look where he is now like crazy his voice is so like soothing and and sort of like draws you in that you can just you can just listen to him it's it's just it's so great that he kind of created this very different genre for him i think you know the sort of reality TV-ish place for him. It's new for him. It's new for him, and it's also a nice spin on your typical travel show because because he doesn't want to be there, and he makes it clear he doesn't want to do any of the things that they're going to ask him to do. And you know, there's a whole scene where he has to eat reindeer. He's like, I don't want to eat reindeer, especially later on the next day, which he ends up enjoying. But the next day, he goes to like a reindeer farm, and he's like, I'm sorry, I might have eaten your cousin last night. Like, <laughs> he's he's truly reluctant to do every single thing, not one thing did he say i can't wait he was like did the check clear my (laughs) bank account before i go do this kind of you know like it's very reluctant which may be a shtick but he sells it so well it feels real so yeah eight episodes on apple tv plus i want to pitch you on a new show that i just came across it actually came out a while ago it's on netflix it's a six episode series it is called the law according to lydia poet it is an Italian show that you can watch in Italian with English subtitles, or they have a dub version of it. So it's one of those where the lips don't line up, but they do have English, like like English voice actors. They're British, actually, uh, saying the dialogue, and that is how I watched it, which I know is offensive to to purists. I didn't want to just read my watch my you know read my screen for a while. I don't mind foreign language shows or films, but I wanted to watch this and I wanted to devour it quickly. So I put the dub on. This is a great series. It stars Matilda DeAngelis, who people of HBO's, fans of HBO's The Undoing would know. She plays Hugh Grant's, like, mistress in that show, the one who is, uh, spoilers, murdered. Um, <laughs> you and I covered that podcast. She was she didn't have a ton of lines in that. Uh, she was there really for the bombshell aspect of it. Remember, she wore some very oh, yeah. revealing She's outfits. Very sexy. Very, very, sexy, very, very sexy. Every time she came on screen, it was definitely going to be sizzly. Yeah, so she she's playing Lydia Poet. Lydia Poet is a real person. So this is a fictionalized telling of the real Lydia Poet story. Lydia Poet was the first female lawyer in Italy. And the beginning of her career, she actually passes the bar and then is actually disbarred. It, it, her being admitted to the bar is actually challenged in the Italian courts and they actually strip her of her license. Uh, and she is actually banned from practicing law. At one point, she's banned from actually entering the courtroom. And it wouldn't be until 18, uh, 1919, like 20 years after she's initially stripped of her license, 1920 maybe, almost two decades, she's actually finally admitted back into the bar. That's the the real story of Lydia Poet. This first season, it's a case of the week. It's very Sherlock Holmes-like, and I think that's where it's, it's like, interesting for people. She's very watchable. She's great. The uh, two other main actors in the show are all very watchable. It's interesting. The stories are interesting. The mysteries the mysteries each week are pretty interesting. There is an overall plot and arc about her career and her relationships with her brother and, and some romantic relationships she has. There is 
sex. There is some nudity. Each episode has basically one sex scene in it. Uh, so it's kind of giving you the whole thing. It's very Italian. It's shot in Italy, like on location. So it's it's very beautiful. It's all period costumes. So if that's your thing, you're going to love the turn of the century period costumes. It, I think it offers a lot for people. But the Sherlock Holmesness of it is is an is a nice twist on the story. I pitched Brian Howe actually on the show because we learned our friend Brian Howe, who was on Kevin Can Fuck Himself, we learned while talking to him is a fan of foreign language shows, particularly ones that are on Netflix. So I told him to go watch it. So as we continue to get Brian, we try and convince him to do a podcast with us about foreign language shows, uh, <laughs> international uh, shows. In- international shows. I'm, yes. uh, I-, I pitched this one as one he should go check out. So, I don't know. <laughs> No, does all of that sound interesting to you? Is that something that you yeah. go check out? Yeah, I mean the. I mean by casting her, she is such like a sultry kind of actress. I knew you were going to get to the point where there was going to be some sort of sex of the week, and so I was curious about that. Like, were they going to just blow by the fact that you know she is that kind of brings that vibe, or were they going to like you know embrace it? Sounds like they embrace it. Well, yeah, so here's the thing, though. But it's it's when she when it's when it's business time and it's working hours. She's very professional. She carries herself very. She is she is a good detective trying to get to the bottom of a mystery. But in her off hours, she is she is sexual. It, it, so it's not gratuitous. She is sexual. <laughs> but I mean, I mean to say she has is, like a regular life, right? She has like a regular person, right? She's not using her sexuality to solve cases, right? She's she's not okay. like that's key to know because that could that could have been. Yeah, right. right. She's not like exposing her breasts to get the police officer to confess right. a crime, you know, which which <laughs> Which that could be a thing, but that's not this thing. It's the 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 sexuality of the show is is separate from the work she does on the show. So you're really just watching this woman have a life when women weren't allowed to do anything. I think if nothing else, even if you're not into the Sherlock Holmes aspect of it, the fact that this woman was a female pioneer who, because of her, really changed the condition for working women who wanted to be professionals in Italy when women were barred from all professions. I mean, there are several times when you hear people say it is like an abomination that women would be professionals or have any kind of careers in this show. And that was very much the mindset in the real, like a world. Um, It was considered against you know god that she would have a kind of career or 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 even want to so she is a a figure to be looked up to or at least to know about anyway which i didn't i didn't know this show I, i i went into a deep dive about who the real woman was because of the show it seems like it reminds me a lot of what is the what is the one that you covered with the detective who was like back in the day Oh, oh, uh, the alienist. Yeah, it sounds like it reminds me of the alienist. It's 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 an Italian counterpart with a female lead to the alienist. But Dakota Fanning was very much like Lydia Poet, a woman against the time who no one wanted to deal with. She always had to bring a male counterpart, and that's an aspect of this show too. When she, this is not a big spoiler, it happens in the first episode. She basically has to use her brother, who is an admitted attorney, to like work cases and take clients through mm. because she's not literally not allowed to herself but she kind of forces him into taking clients that she thinks there's a case or a question or something unresolved there so the law according to lydia poet on netflix and six episodes again six episodes none of the episodes are very long again i think they're 30 35 minute episodes pretty fast watch 
Nice. I want to check in with you on the Murdaugh murders. Uh, how yeah. are you doing on the trial? I know this is still going on. I know you're still uh, arranging your schedule like so many people out there right now around the trial. <laughs> I'm not so bad since, since I, I watch it on YouTube. So for those of you looking for it and saying, where are you watching it? YouTube is where I'm finding all my day-to-day coverage. This week was a big deal. I mean, this is the week that we actually had Alec Murdaugh come on to the stand and decide to testify. He's being charged with the murder of his son Paul and his wife Maggie back in June of 2021 and you know there was a big question mark of whether he was going to take the stand in his own defense or what he decided he wanted to he's a lawyer himself so he wanted to there were times that I think it worked for him to be up there and there was times when it was like oh boy (laughs) you are digging holes for yourself there was a lot of things that came out in the case in this one a lot of lies that he told investigators that he admitted to Um, he just kind of like pivoted his story. His alibi was definitely questioned. It definitely seems like he had told the the mother's nurse that, uh, you know, just say I was here longer, basically, like trying to coerce her um, into that. That went poorly because she got on the stand and said exactly what he told her. <laughs> so, so it didn't really work out for him. He admitted to all this pill addiction, claiming that he was taking up to 2,000 milligrams of oxycodone per day, which just blows the minds of any pharmacist or doctors that hear that everyone on social media is like exploding like no one could take that amount of pills and and still live so big question marks about where all the money is that he stole from clients because it looks like probably not pills definitely he'd use pills but also where's the rest so um there's been some some thoughts of gambling and and other misuse of the money um and of course connections to the boat crash paul's boat crash and uh, whether or not there was something there so that was like the biggest deal that was going on there's of course i mean so many other witnesses and stuff that stepped forward but really him taking the stand was the big deal of the week and um and next week we'll have our closing arguments so really looking forward to all of that i don't I don't know if the defense has done enough, but I can say that the prosecution hasn't shown me, at least as my as the lay watcher out here, hasn't shown me exactly how he did this. And and that's always a problem for me. But the defense hasn't really put on like a huge like alternative idea to it, besides the fact that since there's two guns, there's got to be two shooters. That's like the main thing they keep saying. Big question marks. I don't know. I'm excited for next week because I want these closing arguments. There's been a lot of uh, jury um, sort of rumblings that maybe there's people in the jury acting a little inappropriately, putting tissues in their ears, putting a blanket over their head, all kinds of weird stuff. So go figure. I don't know what is going on. What a circus. <laughs> it is so much to watch. I mean, there's people who are like coming in from all over the country to like take pictures of themselves outside the courthouse and down by where the murders happen, just all kinds of things. So it's like the OJ of our time, right? This moment. Definitely, you know, if, if you're curious, you can watch tons of like highlight coverage on YouTube and, um, and catch up because because next week is closing arguments. You definitely want to be all caught up for that. Let's talk about some other things that are coming up next week. We have the premiere, the season three premiere of The Mandalorian, which mm. I'm excited about. I don't think maybe you're too into it, but I know Paul is going to be watching it. Yeah, for sure. I've got people in my house who will be watching. They'll be very excited about that. Are Paul and his friend doing, uh, are they continuing their Star Wars podcast with coverage of the new season? Do we know that yet? I don't know. They didn't cover the first Mandalorians, did they? Well, they have, they weren't doing the podcast, though, when those aired. But maybe you guys, if you want to hear some uh, Star Wars 
podcast co- coverage uh let us know and we can maybe For convince sure. paul to do it yeah we have the season one finale of 1923 is coming up on sunday by the time you guys are hearing this our podcast coverage will already be out about that episode yeah that's that's one that we all have our fingers crossed as, as people are going to really like enjoy it and it'll be a great finale we don't know yet we'll hope it'll be great but looking forward to next week and uh, another thing that I'm looking forward to, because it was such a pivotal, or wasn't pivotal, but it was a, a big moment in the video game of The Last of Us. This week's episode of The Last of Us is going to tell the story of Riley and Ellie, the mall sequence from the video game. It is a big emotional, it's, an, it's a big emotional point of the game, of the arc of the game. So I'm curious to see how they're going to cover that. Uh, I'm sure the trolls out there are going to lose their mind about it. LGBTQ teenage storyline. But, you know, the show has handled so many things, parts of the adaptation so well. I'm excited about it. I know it's going to be a a big emotional tipping point for a lot of people. Nice. Have you seen any movies this week? I finally, as part of my Oscars watch, I sat down with the Banshees of Inshirin. Now, this was a movie you didn't watch. You tried and didn't. did not. No, I didn't watch it. I, you know, I find the accents to be a lot. I don't I don't love it. I don't mind accents. I also watch everything with closed captioning as a professional reviewer of television. Mm. I, uh, I have learned to watch everything uh, with, uh, with subtitles on. And so between that and once you're in the accents and they, there's so many repetitive words that you hear over and over again, I, you kind of you kind of get used to it. Your body acclimates, I think, to the accents a while, but you do have to sit through it for about 15, 20 minutes. It's a long movie. It's it's certainly a long movie. I thought it was a great movie. Uh, It was a real meditation on friendship and that moment that I feel like a lot of us have when you look at your group or you look at people who are around you and you have to wonder if, if whether or not you're the loser in your group and is being just happy and simple a crime. It hits on a lot of a lot of things that I think a lot of people feel vulnerable about. Uh, I think okay. that is the real touchstone as to why it did so well. I mean, it's it's nominated for nine Oscars, and I can see why. I can see why. I don't know that it's going to be my favorite. I have another movie I'm watching for next week's episode, Every Everything Everywhere All at Once, which oh. from all the things I have heard may be the best movie going out there of the Best Picture nominees. But I'll tell you, I'm putting this one over Tar insofar as movies that I enjoyed. And I really like Tar a lot. But this movie hit me, hit resonated with me on more emotion, on a larger emotional spectrum. It's available on HBO Max. You can stream it there if you've got an account. And uh, I definitely think it's worth worth giving it a view. So. Well, it's certainly winning lots of awards. So I think a lot of people are agreeing with you. Have you had an opportunity to head into New York City recently and see any shows? I know theater is up and running and seemingly having a lot of good shows out there right now. Really hard to get tickets to all the shows. I'm actually currently looking into getting tickets for me and Tom for my birthday, which passed recently. And it's really hard to find tickets to shows, even shows that have been out there for a long time. I was looking at Book of Mormon. The really best tickets are all bought. So Broadway is is bringing in the bucks. It's putting people in the seat. I did get to see Anthony Rapp's Without You, uh, which is a limited engagement, one-man show. Anthony Rapp, who originated the role of Mark on Broadway's Rent way back when, in addition to a ton of other, you know, career 
and stage achievements that he had. He was Charlie Brown in the original production of Your Good Man, Charlie Brown. He um, He's currently on Star Trek Discovery as Paul Stamets. So I've been a fan of Anthony Rapps for a long, long time, going back to the 80s when he was in Ventures and Babysitting. Like I've been with him in his career for a long time. This show is based on his 2006 memoir of the same name. It is an emotional roller coaster. There is 10 minutes of the show where I just bawled in my seat, Caroline. I was in a no. public theater and I just cried for 10 solid minutes. It, it oh no. was. What made you cry? So he is telling the story of Rent and his experience in the early days of Rent when it when he was first cast, when it was first in rehearsals. The story of Jonathan Larson, which is very much wrapped up in the Rent lore because Jonathan created Rent. Uh, you could watch Jonathan Larson's story in Tick, Tick, Boom on Netflix. He famously, uh, famously feels like the word, wrong word to say, but it's known he died right before the premiere of Rent. Uh, he had a, an aneurysm, I believe it was, mm -hmm. and and just, I mean, they had put on a, like a, a rehearsal, like a tech rehearsal for friends and family that night, and then he passed away overnight. So Anthony is telling that story at the same time he's telling the story about the decline and having to prepare himself for saying goodbye to his mother, who was a big staunch ally of his career, a big supporter of his career. He does voices, he sings songs, he makes the connections between certain songs and Rent and his relationship with his mother and saying goodbye to her. It, it was a lot. It was a lot for, for, for as a... Pulled on all your heartstrings. Yes, as a parent of a child who I am perpetually afraid to leave this world too soon for, and as a son with a strained relationship with his own parents who also lost his mother this year, it was a lot. It was through the emotional ringer. That being said, it was cathartic in a way. It was thought-provoking. It was wonderful to see him, and, and he's just someone who is full of life, Anthony is, and I love to listen to him sing. I love his voice. You know, it's a one-act play, two hours in and out. It was well worth it. If you are in New York, you're looking for something to go see, go see Anthony Raps Without You before it closes, and I think it closes in April. Not a lot of time left to see it, but definitely go see it if you can. Yeah, I think a lot of people overlook those smaller shows. And we've had a lot of luck with really enjoying the shows that are not just necessarily like the biggest, brightest musical on Broadway. There's still some really great shows out there. So check it out. Get out, get off of like just like the normal path, right? Uh, Try something yeah. different. Let's talk about some news of the week. HBO had a lot of news coming out this week. They were doing all sorts of investor calls. Uh, season two of House of the Dragon likely not coming until late summer or the early fall of 2024. In an interview, they said that it will be out next year, but it will not be out in time for Emmy consideration. So that's where people are getting the late summer, early fall calculation on season two of House of the Dragon. So y'all have plenty of time to increase the brightness on your television screens <laughs> so you can get ready for the second season of House of the Dragon. <laughs> that's funny. Get real good looks at those dragons. I was happy to see that the True Blood reboot is killed. They are not going forward on the True Blood reboot. Did you watch True Blood back in the day? I don't know if this was a show. This might have been in your in your empty period of raising three babies. <laughs> Not when it originally aired. It was a perfect encapsulation of the time and of the Sookie Stackhouse story. A reboot is just a bad idea. It's just the ultimate doesn't need to be done 
it doesn't feel like it's been long enough to warrant that, you know, that's, that feels like that's like, you know, you're like bringing out of retirement. You're like, but wait, wait, like they, no, they've only been off there like not that long. It's it's kind of like the same idea of like rebooting Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You don't need to touch it. It, it doesn't need to be redone. It certainly doesn't be, need to be redone now. It's it, Yeah. Give it some more time. Yeah. And it, tell, and it told the story so well the first time, like, I, you know, I'm all for reboots if there's something where you can improve upon it. Uh, the the pulpiness of the Stackhouse novels is captured so well in that series. I'm very I, I very much don't need to revisit that again. Now the interesting thing about True Blood is HBO is going to be highly sanitizing True Blood and will be airing it on broadcast cable, like its basic cable channels that it owns. I think it was TNT that was the named channel. So you will be able to watch True Blood in such a sanitized way that I can't even imagine that you'll get the full flavor of True Blood, because True Blood is a prototypical HBO show. It Nudity, gore, blood, buckets and buckets of blood, violence. It 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 was, I don't know, the episodes will only be like three minutes long if you take everything out of it that you need to take out of it in order to make True Blood aired on basic cable. But they're going forward with it. They're going to try and eke out some dollars on that. So it was announced this week, fan favorite Stephen Yoon from The Walking Dead. He has been named to the ever-growing cast of MCU's Thunderbolts movie. So if you're into the Marvel film still, and it seems people are maybe be getting a little fatigue of the Marvel films based on the traumatic dramatic drop in the second week of box office of Ant-Man and Wasp Quantumania. So maybe people are getting uh, Marvel fatigue, but maybe you're there for the Steven Yeun of it all. So Thunderbolts is due out in July of 2024. So if you liked uh, Steven from The Walking Dead, and he was my favorite character on The Walking Dead until he was killed, Glenn. Yeah, you, maybe that's enough for you to go check out Thunderbolts. We had a sad death this week, Mike, with uh, Richard Belzer. He was 78. I'm super Super sad. He was one of those guys who just seemed like, I don't know, like kind of the grandpas of our generation, if you will. Like, I feel like he he's kind of up there with like a couple of other guys that I feel like, yeah, they were always sort of like the grandpa's age to me. I feel like he never aged, right? He was always kind of... He's always that old grandpa looking. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call him grandpa because I think he tried very hard to look cool, right? With the sunglasses and his hair was always kind of slicked back. But uh, he was always okay. he was always in his 50s to me, always. Like from the 90s uh, through when he passed away. He just never aged to me. Uh, his Munch character is the only fictional character to appear on 11 different television shows played by a single actor. So he he would just be munching everything. I mean, obviously, it was it uh, Homicide Life on the Street and Law and Order, the Law and Order series, different different series of Law and Order is really where he made his name as Munch. But yeah, looking at the look, go look at the credits of the shows he appeared on as Detective Munch. It's kind of hysterical where he just he, he just was this character. It was. Uh, yeah. And, well, you know, we'll miss him. He must, and you know, go watch his old his old stand up. People don't really think about him as a comedian. But oh God, that's all I think of him as. That's so funny. That's all I really think of him as. But I think I think most people that think of him now only think of him as Detective Munch. Don't totally think true. about his stand up his stand up part of his career. Definitely worth going watching. He's a very funny guy. So the world lost a legend with the uh, the passing of Richard Belzer, who was seventy eight years old. We've got some cancellation renewal news. Uh, this first one here, I put on the list. I put on really specifically for Paul um, because he was so down on the first couple episodes he watched of the rig on Amazon. I saw that it got renewed for season two, so it made me chuckle. Uh, <laughs> this is like like Avenue Five. Him and I really disliked that show so much, and then they renewed it. 
for a season two. That's so. funny. Well, he well speaking of Paul again, he's our Stephen King lover. Uh, Welcome to Dairy was ordered straight to series by HBO Max. Uh, it's the prequel series to Stephen King's It. I don't that all that stuff scares me to death. Too so, much for um, me. Too much. For, yeah. I'm too much of a scare baby. <laughs> I, I don't need to see any Pennywise or uh, in my life. Uh, Dude, no I took clowns. the tour in Maine um, of like the Stephen King different like sites and stuff. And even just like there's a street and they they, they have an actual, you know, like a uh, sewer gutter thing that they're like, this is the one that he was like thinking of. And even that I would I didn't want to stand next to it or anything like, no, no, no. No, it doesn't all need to go down into the sewer. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Please and no thank you. So. I don't want anything grabbing my ankles. Mm-mm. We had big news coming out of Succession this week, and this one kind of blew me away. I'm curious what your, your what your take on it was. Creator and showrunner Jesse Armstrong announced that, or he confirmed in a New in a New Yorker article that this upcoming season four of Succession is going to be the show's final season, and season four begins March 26, so it's coming up pretty soon. This shocked me, Caroline. I, I don't know about you, but I wasn't ready for it to be over yet. I'm not ready for it to be over either. So yeah, it's pretty shocking because they have such a strong show going it, it feels like why would we cut it off I, I what i'm hopeful for though is that that makes this season four just like wall to wall action like no filler episodes no treading water it's got to just be like go 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 which hey for that I'll be happy for that because I, I really enjoy that kind of stuff where it's like when a series will just put their head down and be like, we're going to tell you all the things <laughs> like I do love that. I'm far, far better for us to know it's the last one than have it get canceled out from under us with no real answers. And it sounds like they crafted the season with it in mind. It wasn't HBO. The article, if if you look at the article, it was it was Armstrong's decision. HBO said it, the show will run as long as Jesse wants to do the show. So him and his writers crafted this season to be the final. So hopefully, it feels like it has a conclusion versus like Westworld, which obviously had another season left of storytelling in it to finish the story that they had planned on that Lisa Joy and and, and Nolan had uh, planned on, but aren't going to get to do sounds like jesse armstrong is being given that that leeway to do it plus he didn't preclude ever coming back to the show or doing a spinoff on the show so there are so many characters on here that i think people would love to watch in their own spinoffs so all of that maybe is on the table down the road if he, if he has a good idea i think that's that's a good thought for all those people who are feeling sad about it just think maybe maybe there's there's plenty of good storytelling left with that whole group because they are a crazy group they are a crazy group so uh, yeah march 26th season four premiere i expect the trailers the official long the two three minute trailers should be coming pretty soon maybe we'll have that to talk about next week but yeah i'm super excited to see how it all winds up i love i was late to succession i didn't come to succession until after the first season had already aired but yeah. i became i became a rabid devotee once i saw it though i, I, love I, it. I got it I... immediately so. <laughs> i love it so much well you guys this is what we were watching for the week of february 19th to the 25th of 2023 thank you guys so much for listening this is caroline and this is mike again thank you for listening to the pop culture review podcast if you wouldn't mind heading over to apple Podcasts, spotify Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate review and subscribe if you could leave us a five-star review it helps in promotion of the show it helps other people find the show and we can all have a conversation together uh you could find us on facebook instagram twitter always at at pod clubhouse we'd love to hear from you let us know what you're watching and let us know what we should be watching movies music tv theater books we want to consume it all with you so uh give us a shout out and uh, let us know what you think thanks for listening thank you for listening 
This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.